right, so we are on part two of When the Enemy Attacks. And uh, last week, how many enjoyed it last week? So many, God was exposing so many things. And I just encourage you to jump online and listen to that because we're going to have four building blocks of really how to expose the enemy in certain areas of our life. And maybe you're like, I got a handle on this, Pastor Barb. That's awesome because you can take this information and you can bless someone else with it. Amen. Because as you receive the word of God, we should be giving the word of God away. So God will send someone to you that you're like, hey, I learned that in church on Sunday. We're going to bind the devil, amen. He's a deceiver. He accuses you. All these things we're going to learn, you'll be able to pour them out on people so that they can find freedom. So today I'm going to go into the tactic of the enemy, the accuser. And the accuser, I think, is one of a destructive force of the enemy, whether he is really accusing you of wrongdoing or of your past, or how many has ever been false accused before? That is the worst place to be in. When somebody accuses you of something that is not who you are or what you've done, and there's really no way you can recoup that unless God validates you. So we're going to talk about that. But last week we learned about the deceiver, and we learned what Satan's names were. He is Satan. He's Lucifer. The Bible says he's a deceiver, a destroyer. He tries to anyway. He's an accuser. He's the father of lies. That's all he can do. The devil can tell no truth. He can only tell lies. And he's the prince of dark. And so as, as you study this and as you learn that the devil wants to destroy everything that matters to God. Everything. So guess what? You matter to God. He created you. He created you with the purpose and a destiny. And when he looks at you, he sees the glory of God living in you because God dwells in us and he hates God in you. So he will try to destroy the purposes of God in your life if possible. Say if possible. Because he can't. You know why? The Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm telling you, the devil can fight hard and he can throw some low blows. But we have to remember, we, have, we turn into like the Transformers. How many like like the Transformers? You know, I maybe watched only because Mark Wahlberg was in a few of them. And he's my Hollywood crush. I know he's married. Don't write me any letters. It's not that serious. But... I do love Mark Wahlberg. So anyway, but they turn it from these little compact cars, and, and when they need to go into battle, what do they do? Boom, boom, boom. They, like, start busting out. Why? Because there's something in them that is so much greater than what the eye can see. And you need to see yourself as believers that there is something so great in you that if we can just see the devil attacking us and you rise up as men of God, as women of God, and you stand facing the enemy of your soul in the name of Jesus, he will flee in a hundred directions. But we got to get out of our little compact cars. We've got to get out of these little comfortable zones and I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy and if you only knew my past. And the devil wants to keep you small and see him big instead of seeing the great I am in your life with all power and all authority. And the devil is under our feet. Amen. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. And we're going to go through some verses this morning. And the Apostle Paul is sharing this about a battle. And it says this, for we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies. Ephesians 6.12. We do not fight against flesh and blood enemies. And I want that to set there for just a minute. You know how when you want something to get the best flavor out of it, you got to simmer it a minute? So I want you to look at this, that the devil does not, God, does not fight against flesh and blood. 
Whatever you're facing in your life right now, whatever seems so big, it is not of a human form. Now, will the enemy use flesh and blood? Oh, yeah. He will trigger through relationships. He'll trigger in marriages. If you have children, he'll trigger. But your battle is not in a natural realm. It is a supernatural battle. Amen. Sometimes I feel this way. We don't even need the devil. We have our inner me that destroys us. We don't need the enemy. Like my self-talk is damaging enough. I just heard, uh, I think it was this morning, a statistic of science. It was a, a, a study done on the brain and that we have over 40,000 thoughts a day. Um, 80%, I want to get it right, 80% of those thoughts, I wrote it down, 80% of those thoughts are negative thoughts. 80% of your thoughts are negative thoughts. And it went on to say that 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you think the next day. Can you see how damaging the pattern of the enemy is that he gets us to buy into something different and opposite than the word of God? And we've got to retrain ourselves to see ourselves the way that God sees us. We are like a computer with a database, and we've been entering in garbage, garbage, garbage talk, garbage thoughts. Now it's time to take the word of God and hit search and delete, search and delete, search and delete. Amen. But some of us need a spyware. What is it called? A spyware. Just let the word of God go in you and say, you know what? All negative, all my past, all the things the devil wants to accuse me of is leaving my life in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to step up and be who God sees me to be in my life. Amen. So my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We deal with the spiritual battle against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. If you feel an opposition coming against you, it's a satanic attack. If your marriage seems like you're not on the same page and there's friction all of a sudden, satanic attack. These are the levels that the enemy comes to disrupt the atmosphere of peace and joy in your life in whatever way that he does it. Why? Because that's the area that he dominates in. And it's in the mind, amen? And it's in the spiritual realm. So we're going to teach you how to deal with him. So last week we talked about Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. Next week I'm going to talk about Satan is the destroyer who will attack your will with pride. Come back next week. Don't not come back because I'm talking on bribe. Today we're going to talk about Satan is the accuser who attacks your, attacks your heart with accusations. Comes against you. Enemy will use your weaknesses. The things that you don't feel good about yourself with. Where you feel inadequate. Where maybe you have a human nature that does make mistakes. You know, I don't know how many of you have road rage. Road rage, don't raise your hand. I need the blood of Jesus over me when I drive too. Maybe we act out in anger and we say things we shouldn't say and we do things that we want God to get a hold of. And all of a sudden the enemy goes, yeah, see, I told you. I told you you're not good enough. I told you you'll never serve God. I told you you'll never have a great marriage. Why? Because he wants to accuse you of things that are against the word of God. So if he can use the things of the natural, he'll pull those fiery darts back constantly in your heart. Because why? An accuser wants to keep you away from the will of God. 
it, it buffets you. It's like the enemy's standing here. God's breakthrough and blessing is here. And he's like, if I can keep fiery darts in their heart that they're not good enough, their marriage will never be worthy. You'll never feel spiritual enough. Whatever it is, you'll never progress forward to what God has on the other side. And people go, well, it didn't work for me. Or God must not love me. Or I must have done something wrong in my life. No, the accuser has control of your mind and of your decision making. And you've got to put him under your feet. Because he's the only one that can throw the fiery darts. Amen? So how many has ever heard the accusing voices in your life? You're not worthy. You're not good enough. Try going into ministry full time. They like quadruple. The devil wants to make sure you're dumb. Nobody wants to hear you speak. They think you sound like Charlie Brown school teacher. You know, you're not spiritual enough. I'm telling you, the fiery darts come. When you stand up to be who God's called you to be, when you stand up and say, me and my house will serve the Lord, we will be in the house of the Lord, we will be generous to God's house, we will stand in the temple of God and hold up the arms that God has in this house. When you do that, the devil's like, oh, yeah, let me try you. Let me remind you of your past. Let me remind you of your mistakes and your brokenness so that you never rise up to be who God's called you to be. So my prayer for you in this series is Isaiah 54, 17. And it says this. I pray this produces life in your heart. No weapon formed against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. It's time to silence the enemy. It's time to say no more in my life. When he comes up to accuse you, say, shut up, Satan. You don't, might not want to say shut up in front of your kids because I know that's the naughty word. But there are times that I literally tell the devil, no. I will say it out loud. You are not coming in. Because if he gets a foothold to accuse you to not feel worthy enough, he will come in like a flood. And it will take you months to army crawl out of that emotional pit that he puts you in. I've been, in, I've been in those pits, and I know the work that it takes to get out of them. We have to stand up and say, no, God is in me, and I am not perfect, but his grace is sufficient in my life. You are not going to accuse me, devil, for what Jesus paid on the cross. Because he didn't die in vain. He didn't lay his life down in vain. All the blood from his body shed for us was not in vain. It is today, 2,000 years ahead, and it is real and alive the day that he laid his life down. No weapon. The power of the risen Christ that we serve is going to silence the voice of the enemy. But what we have to do is we have to come to a place in our walk with God. And number one, recognize the voice of the enemy. What does he say to you? Because my little voice is, may not be your voice. His accusations against me may not be the same against you. But at this point in your life, you should be well aware of the voice of the enemy. If the Bible says my sheep know my voice and no other will they follow, then I better recognize the devil and recognize, uh-uh, he's trying to plant this to derail me. And God must have something great, so I'm going to recognize his voice. Amen. And what are we going to do? We learned it last week. Replace it with the word of God. You have to be intentional in the areas where he's trying to deceive you and accuse you. Intentional. You have to break those accusational things off of your life and say, but God said. Yes. 
But God's word said, amen. So let's talk about the accuser. Revelations 12.10 says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night. What is the devil doing? He's accusing you day and night to God. The scripture says, but he has been hurled down. He's been defeated. Amen. We have victory, but guess what? He still has a job. And his job is to go before God daily and accuse you of everything you've done wrong. Everything you feel about yourself. Everything about your past. That's his job. But he's been defeated. Amen. The accuser there is the world diablos. Translate the Greek word diablos. It means the devil, the adversary, the accuser. He's been hurled down. Remember, the accuser can only lie to you. That's all he can do. Before we fall into disappointments, maybe making the wrong decision or into that same sin nature that we want victory and freedom over, our flesh will say or the enemy will say, no big deal, just do it. Nobody's looking. What does it matter anyway? It's my life. I can do what I want, whatever that is. So before everything is, enemy makes you feel like it's fine. Just do what you want. Live what you want. Make any decision that you want until you do that bad behavior. Until you act out in anger and say things that you wish you wouldn't have said. Until we do something in our life where the enemy goes, aha, gotcha. Before it's like, no big deal. This is just who I am. I don't have to change. And God's like, you don't have to. You're right. I give you free will. But the accuser is going to be on your tail the second that you keep falling into that thing that you really want freedom from. So he'll come and go, oh, yep, yep, got you there. See, you're, you are nothing. You aren't good enough. How could God love you? You ruined your life. You're pathetic. God will never use you. Or how about you've gone too far? We may never say that out of our, our mouth, but inside our hearts, we're like, I've gone too far. How can I come back from what I've done? And you know God loves you, and you received him into your heart, and you're going to go to heaven, but we live a life of destruction and defeat because we believe the lie of the accuser when my flesh just needs to come into subjection to the Holy Spirit, I need to realize the power of God's grace that has forgiven me, that I can walk in freedom and liberty because of his love, that I don't have to listen. The accuser will say things that are true sometimes. But that's when we bow our knee to Jesus. That may be true, but I love God and he's forgiven me and I want to do better. Listen to this. When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. We learned that last week. When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. Did God really say? Did God really give you that promise? He'll make you question the word of God. But listen to this. When the devil talks to you about you, he accuses you. He makes you feel like you're no good. You can never really serve God. You'll never feel worthy. You'll never be able to get over the things that are from your past. Well, I want to share some, a story out of Zechariah. We're going to take apart some scripture verses this morning. And the book of Zechariah is pretty powerful. It's a prophetic book. And it's a personal book, I believe, that represents Christians today and the cleaning of sin and the sin nature. But in the book of Zechariah, he had eight, eight visions. And this was the fourth vision of the eight visions. And it was a, a, a room of a courtroom. And the God was there being the judge. 
Joshua represented the high priest, and he is the defendant, the one being accused, and Satan is the prosecutor, and he is the accuser. And this is a vision because what had happened is the children had come back from being in exile. 50,000 of them had come back from exile, but they were not walking in the purity and the morality of God. And so God was trying to bring righteousness back to the house of the Lord. How many know God's always trying to do that? He's always trying to bring righteousness back into the church of Jesus Christ. The church cannot look like the world. Now, do we need to be picture perfect? No way, and we never will be. But we have to have the mentality that God does want to get in my life. God does want to change my nature. He does want to make me stronger. He does have dreams and desires for my life. But the accuser was right there, right there on his tail. So let's look at what Scripture says in Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. This is Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, when you study out that word Lord, it is Jehovah. It is the existing one. So this is God. Joshua is standing before God, the one true God, supreme God. And Satan was standing at the right side to do what? To accuse him, to accuse Joshua of having filthy robes. High priest was supposed to be in high standard. High priest was supposed to have clean robes. And the devil's bringing Joshua before God and saying, listen, he's filthy. And he's bringing an accusation to God. And in verse 3 it says, and the Lord said to Satan, I love this, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Why? Because God wanted the walls of the temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. So he brought all the children of Israel back to Jerusalem to have victory. But the devil's running around accusing brethren that they're not worthy to do what God's called them to do. Okay, who have chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? What was God saying there? He said, he may be guilty, but I'm saving his life from punishment. See, Joshua stood there filthy. He stood there guilty before God, and God says, no, I'm rescuing him from that fire. That word there means he plucked him out. He rescued him. He delivered him. Listen, God is always on your side, and you might be standing in a situation that might be true, but God's like, but wait, I love you. I sent my son. I'm going to pluck you out of that accuser position of the enemy, and I'm going to tell you you are more because you're my son, and you're my daughter, and you belong to me. But many of us, we stand before God and we try to worship him and we try to have this relationship with him. And the enemy's at the right hand pointing how worthless you are and how good you are. And it's over and all these lies. And we stand there beat up going, yeah, it's true. I am worthless. Look at me. I'm filthy rags. But God, God came and said, I rebuke you, Satan. And verse 3 says, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel of the Lord. That word accused there in that scripture means to resist and to oppose. When the enemy is accusing you, he's opposing you from God. And we have to get this righteous anger that if the devil tells me something different about myself than what God's word says, he is resisting me and opposing me from a blessing of God. And when you know that something's on the other side of this ugly accusation spirit, you're going to rise up with the benches and say, devil, not today. No, you're not going to steal my blessing. Yes, I don't feel right. Yes, I made this mistake, but God is in me and he loves me. And I want what's on the other side of this opposing force of hell against my life. 
But so many of us believe the accusations that we just get defeated on this side, and the devil's like, did my job. Here we go. Got him right where I wanted him again. And we have to say, no, I'm not going to be there, God. Amen? So this, this presence that God came in this moment of the courtroom was similar to when the angel showed up as the fourth man in the fire. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It was this presence of God that came up in the time of need, in the time of victory. Have you ever been to an event where you felt underdressed? I have been many times. I showed up and everybody was looking way better than I was. That alone makes you feel insecure. But then imagine standing in filthy clothes. Not just underdressed, but filthy, standing before God. I've learned that we don't have to tell people that they have sin in their life. We already know. Uh, it's first nature to feel worthless. It's the first nature to feel like I'm, I'm, I have filthy rags on. Amen? So here you are standing before God wanting all that he has, but you feel so stripped and you feel so ugly and the enemy is pitching his case against you and he's reminding you and telling you and telling God that you, you, know, you made mistakes in your past and all this garbage that just I don't even need to list what they are, but we know what they are. Amen? But he makes you feel dirty and ashamed and unworthy. He just hurls shame, hurls shame. It's the biggest tactic of the enemy, isn't it? He puts us in caves of shame so we forget who we are. And so to come out like Elijah to the edge of the cliff and wait, let the fire go, let the, let the a storm come, the earthquake come, whatever it is, and then I hear God. Some of you need to come to the edge of the cliff and say, you know what, I'm not living in shame anymore. You're not keeping me in that cave alone and abandoned and feeling worthless. I'm coming out to hear my God. And all hell may break loose, but I'm not moving until I hear my God. Amen? So before we look at the rest of this story and I share it with you, I want to, we've kind of identified who the devil is, but I want to remind us of who Jesus is. The devil is the accuser, but listen, Jesus is your advocate. He stands in the gap for you. He comes alongside of you. You are not alone in this battle. He is with you. And let's look at John, 1 John 2, 1. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Listen, the goal is to get our life lined up with God, not being perfect, but my goal is to become mature in Christ, where I'm putting those old things behind me, and, and I'm learning to walk in victory. So that would be my desire, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. And who is he? He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Listen, we cannot come to God in our own righteousness. You are never going to do enough works to be worthy or to feel good about yourself. There's not a hundred prayer meetings you can go to, a hundred worship services to feel worthy. It is not my righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. If I'm trying to better myself, I'm standing before God still in my dirty clothes. And you just keep taking off layer and still feel filthy. You still don't feel worthy. Why? Because only Jesus is the one who can come and mediate and pour his love into you so they can never be taken away. He's our advocate. He's our friend. He pleads on my behalf. It's kind of like that big brother that shows up to school. Anybody, anybody ever been bullied at school? I was, bull I was bullied once. I took her down, though. It's a story for later. I took her down. 
with love. <laughs> I loved her. We're still friends to this day. But, you know, it's like that little kid that's facing the bullies, and he doesn't know that his, his big brothers are behind him. And the enemy runs. He's like, yeah, you know, I took care of my enemy. No, God was on his side. Listen, you don't have to fight the adversary. God already did. See God bigger. God is on your side. He is fighting for you. He's defending you. If anything makes you feel contrary, makes you feel worthless and not good enough, that is not God. That is the accuser. God will make you feel like a hero, like a champion, like an overcomer. God will make you feel better than you are. You can't get smart enough for what God can do in you to make you feel good enough. Amen. He's our friend. He's called to my side. He's my support. He's my strength. Listen, you are not standing alone. God is there on your side. And something I thought was so cool when I read this, it says that he is our advocate and he pleads our case to God. And I was sitting at my desk yesterday just going over my notes and I thought, I would love to hear that conversation. Like, what is Jesus saying about me? You know, because it's not really clear exactly what he's advocating, but we know he, he has to advocate through the word of God, right? So he must say, God, I gave my life for them, remember? I obeyed you. My life was dead on that cross, and I was resurrected, and they have the promise of my obedience at the cross. Remember those crowns on my head, God, how I suffered for you? They can have the mind of you because I put the crown on my head, and I got them victory, my blood that was shed, the knife in the side, everything that Jesus, he's advocating who he was on that cross so that you can walk in victory today. Man, he says, they may be guilty, God, but I paid the debts, remember? Here's their folder, paid in full because they're in me. And I'm walking with them with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to help them figure stuff out. But God, you paid it in full, remember? God's like, that's right, send angels to bless them. Send my anointing to favor them. Let me bless them in front of their enemies. Send that blessing and favor over their life. Because that is the God that we serve, amen. He wants to bless you. And I love this in, in, in verse 4. It says this. And the angel said to those, remember the Lord, said to those who are standing before him, Joshua. Now, as I was reading this, it's not super clear but it looks like the enemies that were really wanting to accuse and validate Joshua's behavior were standing in that courtroom just kind of anticipating his judgment. Have you ever had people stand in the distance kind of hoping you'd fail? Kind of hoping those accusations that have been spoken against you comes true? And here they are standing in the courtroom before God kind of like, yeah, God, what you going to do? And what does God say to the enemy? Take off Joshua's filthy clothes. What the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it for good. What the enemy and people mean to destroy you, God says, I'll use them to bless you. I'll use them to promote you. I will use their agenda to have my agenda be released in your life. Guess what? I don't have to go redeem my name or make myself. No, I let God fight my battles for me. When we have an advocate, I have a judge who sits on the throne that my God's going to take care of me. He will make my name great. I don't have to advertise it. I don't have to justify my behavior or my decisions. No, God will make sure my enemies will bow down in the presence of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. That means I don't lose my joy. I don't lose my hope. I don't lose my peace. I'm just like, another one bites the dust. Huh, another one's gone. Another one's gone. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> that felt a little too good. I don't know. Give me a mic, Alex. Give me a mic. 
No, we don't want to see people fall. You know what I mean, though. But like, God, thank you for redeeming me. Thank you that you redeem my false accusations against me because you are God. And you told the enemy, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, it was kind of like, a, you know, when a little kid wants your attention, they grab your face like, Mom. It's like I could just see God doing that to Joshua like, Son, right here. Right here. Listen to me. Don't worry about the filthy clothes. He said, see, I have taken your sin away, and I will put fine garment on you. Let God get your attention. Don't worry about the filthy clothes anymore. God says, I've forgiven you. Take on the new garment, the royalty that identifies God in your life, the promises of God, the favor of God. Amen. God will bless you with something you don't deserve. God has blessed me so many times. And I sit back and go, I don't deserve this, God. I don't know why you're continuing to bless. I don't know why the favor is there, God. But you want to bless your kids. He's saying, I want to put something on you that you didn't earn yourself. I didn't earn my righteousness. I didn't learn peace. Earn it, I mean. I didn't earn joy. He gave it to me. So I have a right to walk in it. I have a right, a God-given right, that even though all hell's breaking loose, I can have peace and joy because God gave it to me. Not as the world sees, but as God sees. Amen? Hallelujah. Why does God want to do that? Because he wants to show you how good he is. Not because you're good enough, but because he is good. Let's take off those filthy robes and let's put on the robe of righteousness. Amen? You know, I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but the perfect example is the prodigal son. And he said, I want what I want. Give me mine. I want to go live my world. I want to go make my decisions. I want to party. I want to do what I want to do. And then he went out in the world. He realized this is not what I was looking for. Yeah. You know, the world is empty, isn't it? Sin is fun for a season, the Bible says. And it ends up empty and void. And the devil's like, that's where I like you, eating in the pig's pen. I took you from the father's house of blessings and a generation a legacy of the blessings, and I put you in the pig pens, and that's where you're going to stay. But you know what the Bible says? He came to his senses. You gotta, we got to wake up and come to our senses. I'm living in the pig pen, and my daddy has a mansion. Even the servants eat better than I'm eating right now. I will crawl back. Let me be a servant in the house of the Lord at least. Amen. But when he came on that road, I can't imagine that journey. And I, I taught on this extensively, but how hard that journey home must have been. Because every voice saying, your dad won't take you back. You took your inheritance. You threw it away. Your father's probably already throwing another party. He don't care about you. But he kept coming. He kept coming. And little did he know when he saw the house afar off, his father was on the front porch looking for him. Looking. And, and he took his robe off, and he ran towards his son. He lost his dignity. He had to lift up his skirt and run towards his son. And he threw that coat, his royalty, over his son and said, Welcome home, son. That is God's picture of his love for us that takes off all the ugliness and throws his robe. He's looking for you for the blessings to be poured out on your life. Amen. So let's look at, uh, let's see, where did I go? Zechariah 3, verse 5. Then I said, we're back in the courtroom again, put a clean turban on his head. What's God going to do? I'm going to renew your minds. 
I'm going to renew your mind. The way you used to think, you're not going to think anymore. So they put a turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and you will have charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among those standing here. And you look at that, it's the relationship we have with God. God's not looking for all these do's and don'ts and all that, but it's a relationship. I come into covenant with God. God, trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. I want to be in alignment with you, Father God. And God's like, when you do that, my blessings of favor will come out on your life. It's so good. We've got to learn the difference between Satan's accusations and the Spirit's convictions. Because how many know the Spirit will convict us? And we want that in our life, amen? We want that voice, the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit. Accusations will drive us away from God, make you feel unworthy. You're not good enough. You could never do it. Conviction leads us to God. God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I'm still a mess and I'm still working it out, but I love you and I want to align my life and get things where they need to be. Accusation says you're full of guilt, makes you feel full of shame. Conviction leads us to repentance and hope. Amen. God is just looking for our hearts to be bent back to him. Satan accuses you, wants you to feel guilty, experience regret and remorse. Spirit convicts you, draws you to the presence of God to experience his grace. Step into the grace of God. The Bible says if you confess your, with your mouth our sins and believe in your heart, you will be saved. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The word of God is full of hope. I haven't put this one up in limitations because I would really love you to take a screenshot of it and let it be your anthem this week. But Lamentations 3 says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. How many are thankful for that? Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. I may have messed up today, but thank you, Jesus, for grace and mercy that follows me all the days of my life. And I wake up tomorrow forgiven and redeemed and full of hope. That I may, may not have taken full territory, but I'm taking territory in the name of Jesus. So good, isn't it? Listen to this. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. He's the accuser. But let's flip the switch. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. Woo! God knows your name. He doesn't look at you and call you worthless in your past and identify. No, he calls the Bible is clear by your name. He knows your name. So good, amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I'm rounding the corner, guys. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Amen? The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Remember, it's a spiritual battle. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. When the enemy takes your thoughts, what do we do? We take the word of God. When the enemy accuses you, the only force you have, the spiritual force, is the word of God. 
When the devil tells you you're a failure and you should be ashamed, ashamed, you say, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation and the old is done and I've come into the new. If the devil accuses you and says God is punishing you, you say, no, my father is good and good gifts come down from the heaven above. Amen. What the devil meant for evil in my life, God's going to reroute it for good. I'm going to count it pure joy when the enemy comes against me because God is working it for my good. The accuser may say, what after you did, God won't come through. You're in big trouble, mister. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in every situation with prayer and thanksgiving. Make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, amen, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Woo! Devil will say, God isn't there. He's disappointed. He doesn't love you. You say, no, in all things, I'm more than a conqueror. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in this world can separate me from the love of God. Woo! God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. My God is for me, and I am fighting from victory, not for victory. Hallelujah. I want us to repeat this verse together, and I'm closing up in prayer. Okay, Zyar, you just shout over there, young man. Shout for Jesus, man of God. I love him so much. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Let's say this together. Go ahead. Ready? No weapon turned against you will succeed. You will be silenced every raised. I don't like the way I wrote that, just so you know. I want to say it this way. No weapon formed against me will succeed. So make it personal, okay? I will silence every voice raised up to accuse me. Are you ready? Okay. No weapon formed against me will succeed. I will silence every voice raised up to accuse me. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Woo, Jesus. The devil knows you by your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And God, I release that over our body now in the name of Jesus. This will be a victorious church, God. We are exposing the enemy. We say no more. You'll not deceive us and you will not accuse us. We're going to rise up and be who God's called us to be. Hallelujah. I want to make sure everyone in this room has an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you just stumbled in here today and you're like, I'm not sure about this crazy church. But Jesus can touch your life. And he, he brought you here so that you would hear the good news of Jesus and the hope of Jesus today. And maybe you're like the prodigal son and daughter and you've trailed away. God's looking at you. He's saying, time to come home. Time to come home. He's saying, actually, welcome home. It's time to come back to Jesus. Amen. Time to reignite our love for the Lord. Time to get excited about God again. This is the hour to be on fire for God, people. It is not the hour to be apathetic and lazadaisical. Let's stir ourselves up. Let's get excited for what God is doing in this season. Amen. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender everything to you. I receive your grace, I receive forgiveness, 
in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Listen, you can look at me. Our church is going to be starting a pilot training for a discipleship program called Rooted. We're very excited about it. And as you are new in Christ or maybe just coming into Jesus, we want to put you through this program. So be watching and looking for it. But in the meantime, we want to be here for you. We have Bibles for you at guest services. I'll be out there. I'd love to meet you and pray with you. And our motto here at church is we want to love you back to life. Amen. We're a church that will love you back to life. That's why we're here. To fulfill your purposes in God. God has a plan for every one of your lives. Let's see that be fulfilled this year. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and welcome Pastor Paul back.